0: Welcome to the Food Issues Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Revelant, and I'm a journalist, healthcare copywriter, and a mom of two. In every episode, we talk about the challenges around feeding kids and give you practical and realistic solutions that will inspire and empower you to raise healthy eaters. Hi friends, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode when we chatted with Laura Datto about food sensory issues. If you missed it, be sure to go back and listen because it will help you figure out what's going on and help your kid. All right, so let's talk about fast food. It makes our lives easier. We know our kids are going to eat it and we all have our favorites. In Connecticut, where I live, Chick-fil-A is the place to be and my kids love it as much as the next kid. But when it comes to marketing fast food to kids, it's everywhere. Years ago, you only saw ads in certain places like TV, on billboards, and in magazines. But now, with so many media channels vying for our attention, companies have had to get really creative with their messaging and how and where they target kids. And they're spending some serious money to the tune of $5 billion a year. Although kids from all racial and ethnic backgrounds are being targeted, companies are disproportionately focusing on Hispanic and Black kids where fast food consumption is already higher. And these populations have higher risk for obesity and other diet-related chronic diseases. And while they're well aware of how detrimental it is, profits are prioritized over health.
1: One thing they tell me is that if they've targeted this audience for many years and it's a profitable audience it's very difficult for them to change that.
0: That's Dr. Jennifer Harris, senior research advisor at the Yukon Rudd Center for Food Policy and Health. She is also a research consultant and a leading international expert on the extent and health impact of food related marketing. We talk about why companies focus their marketing on black and Hispanic kids, the sneaky ways your kids are being targeted, and why those healthier options are marketed in a different way. We also talk about what has been done to address these issues, what needs to happen, and what you can do today to change the future for our kids. There's so much information in this episode, and I know you'll love this interview with Dr. Jennifer Harris. Dr. Harris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, let's talk about your story. Okay, my story. (laughs) Well, (laughs) um,
1: I came to this um, topic rather late in life, I guess. I um, have an MBA. I I was in the marketing world for about 20 years um, doing consumer marketing. I also, during that time, um, had my children, and I was getting a little bit. Tired of of working just for company profits, and I wanted to do something a little bit more meaningful, so I ended up going back to school to get my PhD in social psychology to study media effects on children, um, which is very similar to marketing. You're just trying to understand why instead of how. Um, And during that time, I met... um, Kelly Brownell, who's one of the leading food policy advocacy researchers in the country. And he convinced me that studying food marketing to kids would be a really great um, opportunity and a, and a chance to re- make a difference in the world. So that's how I came to this topic. And I think because of my background, it gives me a lot of insights that um, other researchers don't have. Um, Mostly because of my marketing background, but also because i was my children were in um in elementary school and middle school when I started to um, study this topic and and so I think I'm a great example of a parent who didn't know better, <laughs> who should have known better, but didn't at the time, and so I think that um, gives me a lot of insights into how the companies have been able to take advantage of parents in their marketing.
0: Yeah, you come from definitely have a unique perspective, I would say, um, for this research. So why are there a higher concentration of fast food restaurants in predominantly Black communities or lower income communities?
1: The reason that companies do anything that they do is because they think it's going to maximize their profits. But the difference between low income and higher income communities are, well, first of all, there's fewer zoning restrictions and um, regulations about what kinds of businesses can be in the communities, in lower income communities. Um, There's also a very large population of low income people who are looking for lower cost food options. And unfortunately, most of the lower cost options are also less healthy. So it's really a um, you know a vicious circle that they don't have the money to afford the healthier options. The supermarkets aren't um, aren't opening there because they don't feel like they can make profits in lower income communities. And then, you know, the fast food companies come in and take over. And those are really the most accessible, affordable options in a lot of these communities.
0: And so there's been a lot of research recently that's come out from the Red Center. Can you talk about what you've found, you and your team have found in regard to fast food marketing, including ad spending and racial disparities? Well, we did a report um, that looked at two thousand nineteen
1: data. so this was before the the pandemic, and what we found is that fast food companies spent five billion dollars a year in advertising um, so you know if you think of that in perspective, the cDC their entire budget for health promotion for all products is less than a billion so that's that's a lot of money that that fast food companies are spending. And um, we compared that to um, uh, our report that we did in 2012. And so there was an increase in spending over that time, almost 10%. Um, Advertising spending on Spanish language TV was up 33% in that time. So that tells us that that the fast food restaurants are spending relatively more targeting Hispanic audiences and then um, Black youth, Black children and teens see about 75% more fast food ads than white children see. And those differences also increased over the time period we were looking at.
0: And so is the same reason that certain groups are being targeted, This is, is it the same reason that they're being targeted on the street, if you will, in, in terms of where the fast food restaurants are concentrated?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, they they... The restaurants think that they're going to maximize their profits by um, targeting these groups, and you know we've done some focus groups with um, Black and Hispanic kids, and you know they really um, appreciate the, the fact that they can get a lot of food for a little money, and that's you know what the fast food restaurants. Um, you know, are, are, are selling. Um, and I, I, but I, I also wanna add, I think there's this, these beliefs that you can only sell unhealthy food um, in low-income neighborhoods is, is also, you know, part of a stereotype. And it's also, um, I think as a sign of how risk averse a lot of um, food companies and restaurants are. You know, I've, we, I've spoken with people you know, marketers from the different companies over the years. And one thing they tell me is that, you know, if they've targeted this audience for many years and they're, it's a profitable audience, it's very difficult for them to change that business practice because if somehow their profits fall by doing that, then shareholders are going to get angry and they could lose their jobs. So it's, it really, um, you know, their past business and, and what their con- competitors are doing drives a lot of companies' marketing practices.
0: And so when we talk about the racial disparities, why is it a problem?
1: Well, I think it's a problem to advertise fast food to all kids. In my opinion, I mean the number of, of kids who go to fast food restaurants is on average a third of children every day go to a fast food restaurant. So that's a lot of fast food. We know that on the days that they go to fast food restaurants, they consume more sugar, that more fat, more sugary drinks, and more calories. And um kids who consume a lot of fast food um, have higher rates of obesity. And um, are at higher risk of other diet-related diseases. So the fact that they're targeting um, Black and Hispanic kids makes it even worse because those communities are at greater risk of of obesity and diet-related diseases.
0: Right, yeah, and I was reading through the report and there was information about how these companies position their brands and how they market the meals. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that, to most consumers we're we're simply not aware of it.
1: There's a lot of different strategies. I mean, the um and and it depends on what audience they they're aiming for. Um, one thing, you know when companies market to parents and mcdonald's is a is a leader in this, they talk about how taking your child to a fast food restaurant is a family bonding experience, you know. Your kids are going to love you more (laughs) if if you take them that sort of thing um if they're marketing to teenagers it's all about you know cool this is cool this is hip these are spicy flavors you know extreme flavors are really popular um they use celebrities they um tie into um, popular entertainment with kids it's you know that they're their strategy is to make the product seem cool and fun and um,
0: a thing you just have to have. <laughs> Great. Well, we're going to take a break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about how these companies are targeting children. And, and in many ways, we're, we're just simply not aware of what's going on. If mealtimes are stressful and you just can't get your kids to eat what you make, then you've got to get them in the kitchen. Cooking with my kids has really gone a long way in encouraging them to try new foods and eat their veggies. But most of us aren't chefs, and that's why I love the Kids Cook Real Food e-Course. This course was created by a mom of four and a former elementary school teacher, and it's for kids ages two to teen. You'll get more than 30 basic cooking skills, 45 videos, including a ton of bonuses. Principal supply and grocery shopping list, and kid-friendly recipes. The course also has a ton of substitutions, so if your kids have food allergies or dietary restrictions, they've got you covered. My daughters and I have taken the course, and it was so easy to follow along that they made an entire recipe on their own. More than 18,000 families have taken this course, and the Wall Street Journal named it the number one cooking class for kids. All you have to do to sign up is go to kidscookrealfood.com slash foodissues. And because you're a listener, you'll get a free lesson. Again, go to kidscookrealfood.com foodissues and sign up. Most of the time, I don't even know why I cook meals because all my kids want are snacks. But finding healthy snacks with real food ingredients that are also affordable isn't always easy. And that's why I love Thrive Market. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market that makes healthy living easy and affordable. Everything is organic and non-GMO, and members save an average of $32 on every order. My kids are all about the Lara Bars and the Go Raw Cinnamon Snacking Seeds. Thrive Market also has essential groceries, safe supplements, non-toxic home products like Truce, which is one of my favorite cleaners, and they also have clean beauty products plus ethical meat, sustainable seafood, clean wine, and more. If you join today, you can get 25% off your first order and a free gift. All you have to do is go to thrivemarket.com/foodissues where you can sign up and see my favorite items. And for every paid membership, they give a free membership to a family in need. So sign up today at thrivemarket.com slash foodissues. Dr. Harris, let's talk about the channels that kids are being targeted in. And has anything changed in recent years? Well, the the
1: companies have had to change their marketing tactics in recent years um, because people and kids, and teens, especially, are just not watching television the way they used to or commercial television, at least. So their ability to reach a lot of people on um, on television, which is still there, um, is still the biggest advertising expenditure. It's still their main um, expenditure, but they've had to find you know more creative ways, especially to reach teens. And so um, social media, is a huge marketing channel now for companies uh, you know which restaurants which didn't exist 5 years ago so um you know things like special promotions like McDonald's um promote promoted Travis Scott and and Jay Balvin meals you know on social media Taco Bell has Instagram filters um, Burger King has a Super Mario meal and a Whopper dance challenge on TikTok. Um, Wendy's has a character on Animal Crossing. The Wendy's girl is a character on Animal Crossing. So, you know, they've really (laughs) found ways to reach um, young people where they are. Um, And, you know, this kind of marketing is, is even more problematic, in my opinion, because it, it disguises the intent. So, you know, if, if a child is playing a video game, they're not thinking and they're seeing these brand characters or um, they're not thinking of this as advertising. They're just enjoying the game, which is um, a very effective way to, you know, sort of ingrain that love of that brand into a child's brain. Um and in social media also a lot of the messages are coming from your friends. So if your friends like a post on social media and send it to you it doesn't seem like advertising. It seems more like a message from their peers. So those um, kinds of marketing are um, expanding. I mean, whenever there's a new type of social media, the fast food restaurants are some of the first ones to take advantage of that new marketing opportunity. And um, it's also difficult for parents to monitor because they don't um, see what their kids are seeing on their phones. 24-7.
0: Right. Yeah. It's so insidious and that the kids can't separate kind of what's real from what's an ad. I remember on season one of the podcast, I sat down with uh, Bettina Elias-Siegel, author of mm-hmm. Kid Food. And she was talking about how some of these companies, and I've seen it for myself when my kids were on distance learning, they would go into one of their apps or platforms and there on the sidebar is an ad for fast food or gum or candy or whatever. And my daughter, she did not know that that wasn't really part of the content that the teachers were presenting. Um, so it's it's really yeah. kind of scary, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, it it is very um misleading and um deceptive. And the, the FTC is actually um starting to look into this issue.
0: Yeah, and I think the other thing is product placement. I mean, many years ago, you know, I'm a child of the eighties and there was always product placement, right? You see Coke bottles and in movies and stuff, but now it's also on the YouTube channels, these these influencers, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and they're they're so it's so natural the way that they that they tie in the product but there it's clearly product placement that
1: is is becoming more and more of an issue and researchers are starting to document that more and more and um you know if you're if the influencers are taking money or any kind of compensation from the companies they're supposed to disclose that but most of them don't so even you know, and 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 for kids, I I don't know if they would even care if, mm-hmm. if, if you know they said they were taking money from the company. They just think, oh, they're you know this loved this beloved um, celebrity likes this product, so of course I'm going to try it.
0: And so one of the areas that you've looked at are the the, the fast food restaurants are offering healthier options, right? We've seen apple slices and <clears throat> various types of quote unquote healthier options, but has that approach really been effective with consumers?
1: <laughs> well, you know, I would argue that probably they're adding healthier options to the menu is more of a PR campaign than, a, than an actual intent to get people to eat more healthy. Um, you know, when we looked when we looked at the menu items that companies added, Between the two reports that we did, we found they added just as many unhealthy items as healthy items. So, you know, as a proportion of their entire menu, um, there wasn't an increase in healthy items. And I would argue the environment in the fast food restaurant really does not promote healthy items. As soon as you walk into the restaurant, you smell the french fries, you see the huge burgers or you know, fried chicken, you, you see the soda, the fountain for soda, you know, with all the logos there, um, you know, you'd have to be pretty dedicated to walk into a fast pet food restaurant and order the salad. in
0: my <laughs> Right. Right. Yeah. How many kids are going to McDonald's for the apple slices? It's not many, right? <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah and And the Red Center also recently published a report that looked at the disconnect between the fast food companies, their racial justice statements, and the unhealthy marketing that that continues to persist. And I found this really fascinating. Can you explore this with us?
1: Sure. Well, you know, with the after the um floyd killings and and all of the um, unrest around racial justice issues, um we looked at the top. 27 fast food restaurants and 25 of them issued statements about racial justice. So all of them said they were gonna increase diversity, equity and inclusion um, in their hiring, as well as the way, as their training of their employees, how to treat customers. Um, a lot of them made financial donations to t- just social justice organizations like NAACP, A lot of them set up partnerships with black communities and businesses um, or promised more black actors, more representation in their ads. Um, But, you know, from a public health perspective, one of the biggest racial inequities is the fact that they're um, targeting these communities with with their least healthy options and that these are having adverse health outcomes. But not one of the restaurants that we looked at said anything about um, what they were going to do to address the health inequities um, in these communities. You know, the the fact that they're pushing mostly unhealthy, low-cost foods and beverages, which from the public health perspective is having huge impact on the health of the people in these communities, but not, none of the fast food companies mentioned that they were going to do anything about that.
0: And so what has been done so far to, to change the way that marketers work, if you will, um, to try to target children?
1: Well, there've been, um, a few, um, self-regulatory initiatives. So for example, There's the Children's Food and Beverage Advertising Initiative, um, which um, companies that belong to that and McDonald's and Burger King are the only fast food restaurants that belong to that. They say they're they're going to only advertise healthier options in children's media. Um, The National Restaurant Association has a program where they offer, um, participating restaurants offer one healthy kids meal um, you know, out of their kids meals. Um, and then a lot of the large restaurants have what they call a healthy default, um, program where when you order a kids' meal, they will give you the healthier drink, the, so- the, um, water or juice by default. Um, but parents can still request the soda if they want it with their kids meals. We've done a lot of research to evaluate those programs and um, there's pretty major issues with all of them. Um, First of all, the the food industry advertising um, self-regulation, as I said, it's only McDonald's and Burger King that participate. So we found lots of restaurants that still advertise unhealthy stuff on children's television. Um, The nutrition standards for what companies call healthy are not very strict. So those need to be better. Um, And the restrictions don't cover children 12 years and older. So they really have to also address all of the marketing that's being aimed at teens. Um, The healthier kids meal policies basically are not implemented very well. So we've We and other researchers have gone into these restaurants and ordered kids meals and gotten the the soda by default. (laughs) So even though they say they're not doing that, the restaurants are still doing that. Um, There actually have been some local government regulations also with um, similar policies and the the same thing. They just aren't implemented um, well. And they also don't look at the rest of the meal. you know, com- uh, the restaurant still is offering French fries and chicken nuggets and other unhealthy stuff. It it really only um, applies to the drink.
0: Wow. Okay. So what do you think needs to happen to address this issue? And do you think it ever will really get addressed?
1: Um, will it ever? I, I don't know. Some days I'm an optimist. And some yeah. Days I'm not. Um, I think that um, the fact that Local um, communities are actually trying to implement regulations. Are um, is is a very promising sign. It shows that there is um, public concern about this. Now, um, I think the regulations have to be much more um, comprehensive, and so there's a lot of advocates working on that. And you know, we're we're hoping to get some of those passed in the next few years. Um, But I think really um, what's what's needed the most is to um, increase awareness of what the companies are doing among parents and also among young people. I mean, there have been some youth-led counter-marketing campaigns around soda um, marketing. So, you know, it'd be great to see things like that around fast food um and also increasing parents awareness of how manipulative the advertising is and how these you know supposedly healthy kids meals are really not healthy options for their kids
0: yeah and then the the other issue compounding it is that they're they're being targeted kids are being targeted but then the food itself is is so highly addictive
1: yeah yeah
0: and um and you know that's
1: that especially sweet preferences, those develop at a very early age. And, you know, so if, if kids get used to drinking really sweet drinks, which, you know, is what typically comes with a meal at a fast food restaurant, that it's gonna be very hard to, to, um, to convince them to drink plain water or plain milk, which is, you know, what the health experts recommend.
0: Right. Yeah. And as parents, we're continually fighting against all of the messages, not just fast food, everywhere you go. And and so what can we do as parents to to change this? Um,
1: Well, like I said, I think. um, I think greater awareness of. What the companies are doing, I mean, we've done a lot of focus groups with parents and people tend to think, well, if it was really so bad why can they you know how would they be able to market it to kids well you know there's no no laws about that they can market anything that's you know legal to children so um so i i think just um, increasing that understanding and increasing um understanding of a lot how a lot of the messages make Unhealthy products seem healthy, like good source of vitamin C and that sort of thing on um, um, you know, or we offer apple slices and uh, meals you know that that sort of has a health halo effect um, and I the other thing is you know really um, social norms have to change. I mean there's been some really interesting research on fast food companies that shows that if parents think that other parents are taking their fast their children to fast food restaurants more often than they will they take them to fast food restaurants more often and they think the the food is healthier than than it really is and um you know i don't know how you change social norms but i think we are starting to see that around sugary drinks and soda especially you know in the old days you know when i when my kids were little no one had any qualms at all about serving soda at a birthday party or a sporting event, um, kids sporting event, but that's changing. Um, so, you know, hopefully that will change around fast food and some of these other unhealthy products that are marketed to kids.
0: Great. And and so a few weeks ago, the white house conference on hunger, nutrition and health was held. And so what were the big takeaways that came from the conference and what do you expect will actually happen from, from it?
1: Well, they did say that food marketing to kids was an issue. So that was a positive, but they had no concrete recommendations for what to do about it. So, um, you know, the national restaurant association Talked about how they have this this program where participating restaurants offer one healthy kids meal, you know out of uh, how many unhealthy ones. You know that was the that was the only reference to fast food. So I, I'm not I'm not optimistic that that will change much in this area.
0: Yeah. Well, Dr. Harris, thank you so much for your time today. This was so informative. Where can listeners? Go to learn more about you, your work, and the Rudd Center. Yeah, so we have
1: a great website, YukonRedCenter.org, And um, there's a section on food marketing and has tons of information um, and resources for, you know, parents as well as researchers and advocates and policymakers.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. That was such a great interview with Dr. Jennifer Harris. And if you want to learn more about fast food marketing and other issues that affect your kids, go to YukonRudcenter.org, which I've linked to in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning into the Food Issues Podcast. You can connect with me on julirevelant.com where you can leave me a voicemail or send me a message and let me know about a new topic or guest you'd like to hear from. And be sure to go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I'll see you next week.